Hey, how's it going? I'm Aiden Hall. And I'm Jake Doolin. And you're listening to Bite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful episode of Input 2, Byte's premier TV and film podcast. I am your host today, Aiden Hall. Joining me, as always, is my wonderful friend, Mr. Jake Doolin. And as you know, we're doing two, two pieces of media, two different mm-hmm. views, two critics, two everything. And we recently did a review of it. As you have listened to our previous yes. episodes, you would know we are... Quite adamant fans of this certain show. Yes. The Venture Brothers. The Venture Brothers. Yes. Now, our written review is up along with a spoiler cast for season six as a whole. And I'm pretty proud of that review. It I was felt good. like it got yeah, it got it got across some of the feelings that I had about this current season. But I think in because this season, you know, I think we can agree left kind of a less than left a sour taste. Yes, yeah, so left left a sour taste in our mouth. I think we should Look back at the things we love about this show, and you know you love it more than I do, and you you even though I'm pretty pretty up there in terms. Oh of, yeah, no, of this isn't a not but, a contest. No, but in terms of just Venture Brothers as a whole, what is it about it that makes you love Venture Brothers? I honestly think it's the nostalgia of it, like to see because originally it was just this Johnny Quest knockoff, mm-hmm. and then we got Johnny introduced into the series and that whole. You know, we got Raj and the dog, and, you know, they're making references to, like, the Scooby-Doo gang, and it's just sort of that, it's such a big pop culture phenomenon that not a lot of people realistically really know about. No. Because it's such a low-key show, and yet it's got all these huge actors on it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't know, the continuous narrative's great, and it's so nice to see that even small episodes can be referenced back to. Yes. Like, even in like tag sale you're it completely pointless episode but it was the first inclusion of phantom limb and augustus st cloud Mm -hmm. the fact that a minor joke such as brick frog can become a character a background character that's featured multiple times featured multiple times and is not just completely ignored like you know what brick frog that's a funny joke you know but he appears multiple times in the background of places and every time i see him i'm like brick frog brick frog even the bear from um, that episode. And, oh, yeah. Like he was City. in the episode with uh, the Doom Factory. He was in oh, yeah, the episode. He was. he was in the background, yeah. So they have, like, so many... The thing I love so much about it is just, like, nothing is taken for granted. It's so well-planned, so well-written, that, like, it at least until this current season, yeah. it felt like there was, like, this path and everything was going the way they wanted it to go, and Doc Hammer and Jackson Public are such, like, good twisters of a narrative where, like, you know, I could, you know, looking back, things make sense, but when I was watching them as they were unfolding, I couldn't tell what was going to happen oh, next. Oh, no. And, like, most of the time, they don't surprise you, like, too much with, like, the story, but that's kind of a surprise in and of itself where it's just like, wow, this went, like, a way I was kind of expecting, but I don't know how we got here. And then you look back, and it takes total and complete sense. Like, they don't hold your hand through it. No. Nope. They want you to discover it yourself. I like the fact that they apply, like, comic book knowledge or like comic book styling to a TV show. Like every episode feels like a one-off trade mm-hmm. almost, you know. And you could treat it every episode like as their own one-off thing. I mean, there's enough story there where you can you can 
tune into any episode. I don't think I think you can't really do that with this season though. No, you can't really do that with this season. But I mean, like anyone who wants to watch Venture Brothers, I would say you know you'll get more if you start from the beginning and watch up to the current point. But like you know, if someone cherry picks a few episodes for you, you're gonna find something funny. You're gonna oh, yeah. laugh. There's so much in there that's that's clever and entertaining that you don't need to have the story, and that's just kind of an added bonus, which I've always enjoyed. Because, like, if it was just about the story, I don't think I'd like it as much. No, if it was the, serious, it would not be as good. It's probably one of the most consistently funny shows and one of the most clever shows. Like, I say clever. Clever gets pushed around too much, I think, because it's just like, you know. What does it mean? What, what does, does clever mean? mean? But clever to me is Redusa. It's, you know, having these intricate plots with, like, Ten different characters managed to interconnect with one another towards the end. That's second to last episode of season six, along with the Billy Quizboy episode mm-hmm. at the start of it. Are two of my favorite episodes, really, because they they're so weird and different. The and red like, ball from the Duran Duran music video. Mm-hmm. Just that. That's why I love it so much. There's nothing else like it. And you know, I I was saying yesterday when we were doing the spoiler cast that like. I felt like some of my energy kind of went down. I guarantee in the next few months it's going to go back up again when I go mm-hmm. rewatch some episodes. I just li- I like having it around. It's and really honestly, good. I mean, once we have like an announcement of a season seven or a special before season seven, something to give us. I'm thinking that there's going to be a special by the end of this year. That would be nice because yeah. it's certainly it's demanded almost. Yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about season six because okay. it was such a big story change i mean here it's going every episode is even more intermeshed with the previous episode Mm -hmm. except for honestly i would say the billy quiz boy uh pink pilgrim episode that might be why it's my favorite in terms of just because that seemed like the only one that was like i could watch that one on its own and know everything that's really going on in it yeah and it had the characters i really liked at the moment like uh, Billy and uh, Pete were probably the MVPs for this season for me yeah. just because like any scene they were in was really really funny I don't know I think Gary was probably the MVP for me I, I just I liked where he was going Gary for story for me and Pete and Billy for laughs because okay, everything they that. were doing just from the god gas to you know even as lame of a reference as that David Hasselhoff video was mm-hmm. I mean, the Billy Quizboy thing, that was funny. The fact that, like, Billy is hanging out with, like, the v- old Venture team. He's living with his mom. Living with his mom and the old Venture team. Like, I don't know. To me, that's just funny because that's something I – that's something that makes total sense for his character who loves the Rusty Venture show so much. And this is a show that can go from, you know, that cheesy David Hasselhoff reference to, Billy, there's a Nazi at the door for you. Mm-hmm. And it makes complete and utter sense without, like, going too far out. So – yeah, I mean, season six, I've been ragging on it, but there were good moments. It wasn't like a total waste. And I would say even a bad season of Venture Brothers is a better season than most shows. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, I would say this was so much better than, like, Gravity Falls' second season. Yeah. Or, you know, the last few seasons of uh, Adventure Time, I would say. Just because, you know... We didn't get much, but what we got was all right. What we got was all right. And, you know, I'm not going to be that demanding of it, really. I... I I can never truly be that critical of Venture Brothers because I just, you know, whenever I get it, I I want to treasure it. I will say I'm I would have been more forgiving if this season had come sooner. If we didn't have to wait, you know, three years really for eight, eight episodes that doesn't even give us a conclusion. No, I mean if this was like a year, year, year thing, okay, I would give it more slack. But mm-hmm. the fact that I waited three years for this season and it felt short. Mostly because they didn't realize their episode order list. Mm-hmm. It really 
yeah, you think that they would be on top of their game six seasons in, and they've been doing a good job at that, just making that that short amount of episodes work that I really do think that something must have happened to screw them up. Yeah. They either rushed it or they know something we don't know in terms of when we're going to get a special, which, you know, that, that can come any day. Yeah, it could come next weekend, honestly. You know, they, wasn't it uh, season six was originally supposed to come out in February, and then it was just like, yeah, it's going to come out in January instead. Yeah, it so was just all of a sudden. I, I don't doubt it. They're, all this in Gargantua 2 was like promoted a month before it aired. Yeah, and I don't doubt the fact that like they – already have things done like you don't hear much from that studio but they're always working they're always working and they're pretty good at keeping like things on the down low oh yeah because like nothing leaks out nothing you know most cartoons you know and i know that leak online you know days before oh yeah they go out and well we had the infamous steven universe leaks that Mm -hmm. and you know that that kills a show but like yeah they never get never get leaked never nothing ever gets out like even plot point stuff nothing and it's probably just because it's the two of them working on it mostly, so. And then they ship it overseas for the animation. That's another and thing that always has drawn me to Venture Brothers is that it's one of those few shows that never gets spoiled. That's like, nice. Yeah, it is nice. It's one of the, nice to have something that like you go into completely blind, like you don't know anything because they do, they don't send out screeners to critics. Nope. That everyone gets at the same time and everyone kind of deals like you know, reacts at the same time, which is nice. You don't get that too often with with shows anymore. Oftentimes, you know, a critic gets every episode of, I know every critic has like crazy ex-girlfriend episodes up to the yep. you know season finale or something. And it's like, you know, cool. I see people talking about it on Twitter and like some people say, wow, this episode is really great. And it kind of like gets my excitement up or down and I can't go in natural like yeah. I can with the Venture Brothers. And Venture Brothers, it's everybody sitting down at midnight watching it all together. Everybody has to experience it together. Would you say Venture Brothers is kind of a Silver Age Adult Swim show? I've always looked at it like... <sighs> now, you got to explain that one to me, because it's been around forever. It's been around for 10 years. It's been around for 10 years, but I feel like the where it came in from... All right. I look at original Adult Swim shows as being the Aqua Teens... Home movies. Home movies. Space 12 Ghost. Mouse. The shows that are a little rougher around the edges, but they, you know... They have spirit. They have spirit. I've always felt that, like, the second generation of Adult Swim shows, like Venture Brothers... um, Robot Chicken? Robot Chicken. Squidbillies, too. I don't know if you would count that as a second generation. I would count it. Um, It came from the people that made 12-ounce mouse. But, again, they were still a little rougher, which, again, like, beginning seasons of Venture Brothers are kind of rough. They are. They're difficult. yeah, Yeah. And then they, you could see the progress they made. Like you could see the progress that Aqua Teen made, but like it was still kind of a. It rough didn't really show. change that much. No, you could kind of tell the progress it made, and like, I feel like the next generation of Adult Swim shows, the Rick and Morty's, the, I don't want to say Mr. Pickles, but I yeah. have to say Mr. Pickles. Um, those are like choice. the newer ones that have like, I don't know, I guess a little more weight to them. It's like people are expecting more out of them. Yeah, people expect a lot out of Rick and Morty. And even like Super Jail is starting to carry a narrative to it. Yeah, and Venture Brothers is kind of stuck in the middle where like you have this goofy beginning of Adult Swim, and now like there's a more there's more expected be, of it. They're trying to be more story driven and stuff, and like I don't know if that hurts it or helps it. I've always thought it helps it, but this current season makes me think it's hurting it a little bit because like it doesn't know if it wants to be like. Super narrative driven or super character driven, 
and I think one works better than the other. Character definitely works better yeah. than narrative because I mean, if we look at the the narrative of this season, it's really just Monarch being Blue Morpho to get back into henching Doctor mm -hmm. Venture. Mm -hmm. Typically, that would be one episode of a season. Yes. Or maybe a season finale or a season beginning. Yes. It would not be a whole season. Unless it was leading up to something. Yeah. And it doesn't. So, I, I mean, like, Hank has beautiful development in this mm -hmm. season. I love Hank in this season. Yeah. More than I could say I've loved him in any other previous season. Dean's, like, honestly, we could focus on a Dean in college episode, and it would probably be interesting. Yep. Yep. But we don't get any of that. Because they have enough characters to make it interesting. But they don't have the story probably to make it. Or they don't seem to think they have the story to make it. But then again, like, you, those characters are so interesting in and of themselves, you don't really need it. I could just have Dean sitting in a classroom with the, the recluse spider guy. And Think Tank just and hanging think out. And Think Tank. And I would be entertained by everything going on. So I think in the future, we're definitely going to have to see, like, Venture Brothers make a choice in terms of like where it's going to go. Is it going to stick with this old style of like character driven stuff or moving like, which I like, but I feel like they, they should have a little bit because they have so much story hanging. They do. They need, it's going to have the lost problem of, you know, if they have all these cool story bits, but then just are like, but the characters are what really mattered. Mm -hmm. No, I really need to know certain things, you know, at this point, I really need to know why. Monarch hates Venture. I really need to know what's going to happen. Who killed Blue Morpho? Who killed Blue Morpho? I need to know what happens to the boys. You know, you can't just have a character show. Like, imagine if, I don't know, Aqua Teen had this deep narrative and then, like, at the end was just, like, another Aqua Teen episode where, you know. So what you're saying is what if every episode was like the movie? Yes. What if every episode was like the movie? <sighs> that movie See, was yeah. so bad. The opening is one of the best openings to any movie with the snack stand oh yeah sung song. by like mastodon mm -hmm. that is pretty great yes absolutely but yeah i feel like they gotta they gotta make a choice in terms of just like finding a good middle ground to go with because this season definitely was super story based and it, and it faulted it really did nope. i would have loved more time with think tank i would have loved more time with any of these new villains we saw they weren't given it any time to breathe and you know Venture Brothers is one of the fastest shows on TV when it's, like, really going. Yeah. And, like, that, to me, also, like, super excites me. Like, it gets me going. But then, like, when you want me to pay attention to a story, it doesn't help that the story's going 100 miles per hour with no breaks. Yeah. And I can't take a breath to learn anything about the characters. I mean, sometimes it just needs those those pit stops, honestly, where it's yes. just, you know, give me that stupid episode of Billy and Pete just trying to get used to living with his mom in New York or something. You know, give me what a day in the life of Dr. Mrs. the Monarch is. Now, I don't want to... All right, I'm looking at the Wikipedia list for the episodes, and I don't want to speculate on anything, but I'm looking at who wrote each episode. And Doc Hammer wrote the Billy Quizboy episode and the episode with the multiple, like... Uh, oh, the Scorsese? Yeah, the Scorsese episode. And every other episode was written by Jackson Public. So Jackson's the one that's going more narrative. Doc is the one that's going by the old formula. Yeah. And the one episode they worked together on was... Okay, it says Doc Hammer wrote... Okay, let me rephrase this. So Doc Hammer wrote two episodes. He wrote uh -huh. the Billy Quizboy one. He wrote the one where um, the monarch... Uh, Warriana. That episode. Oh, okay, with and, Think Tank. And, and, and he co-wrote the 
Scorsese episode. But then every other episode was written by Jackson Public. Now, who did Gargantua 2? Was that Jackson Public? Or was it both of them? Let's see. I'm pulling that up right now. It was both of them. Okay. I feel like they do better when both of them are working on something. Because honestly, that Scorsese episode was the best episode in a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, even if we look back at season five, I would say it's probably hands down on my top ten list. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. It's hard to even speculate because it's just these two guys writing. I don't, like, I can kind of tell, like, somewhat based on what episodes they wrote, like, who's doing what. And I remember, like... On the commentary of season four, they the that episode the the two episodes where like Hank stays at the compound. And oh goes yeah, to New York. They each wrote one, one of those them. episodes, and like you can tell who wrote which. Mm-hmm. And I like the Hank one more than the Dean one. I like, like the Dean more than the Hank, Hank one. one. So maybe it's just a personal taste thing, but I think like the, even by personal taste, season six is a little. Eh. It's a little flat. Yeah. That being said, it should be noted that we still love Venture Brothers. Yes, Venture Brothers absolutely. is still again a bad season of Venture Brothers is a good as se- a you know good season of anything else. Exactly, mm-hmm. and it's just and you know once I think we get a conclusion to this season, once we get that special, our opinions will probably change on it. Yes, I probably will like this season more if they wrap it up good. But it's so weird to say that when it had a season finale where nothing was resolved. True. Instead, we just got the greatest character ever in Red Death. Which, honestly, that was fine. As a one-off episode, other than the Saw thing with the butt, mm-hmm. that was fine. A- absolutely. Yeah, the Saw thing with the butt was, like, so weird. And really, like, everything up in that episode with the Saw stuff leading to the revelation that it was Gary doing it, I was like, what? It was a little too predictable for mm-hmm. me. I just... And the Taken line was just too too much. Yes. No, too much. Oh, but speaking of adult animated cartoons that we both are very passionate. Well, no. No, first, what's one episode of Venture Brothers you would recommend from this season and just in general? Okay. I will recommend the Billy Quiz Boy episode from this season just because that to me is perfect Venture Brothers. It is funny. It is weird. It's pretty sad at the end. But at its heart, it cares about the characters and just is all around great. And you get Augustus. And I get Augustus, which is one of my favorite characters. If I was going to recommend one episode to watch Adventure Brothers, see, my personal all-time favorite will be that Hank episode. Everybody goes to Hank's? Everybody goes to Hank's because there's so many things about that episode that I like between just how sad it is really yeah how funny it is because hank's probably my favorite character if we're gonna pick a character but i would probably say if i'm gonna pick one that people should absolutely watch it's probably operation prom just because i feel like if there's one episode of venture brothers if you want to really feel its spirit it's mm -hmm. an operation prom it's an operation prom watch the unedited version of operation prom learn what a rusty venture is what about you um, this season, I would probably have to go with the Doom Factory episode, just because, just that intro with, like, the incredible She-Hemoth, mm-hmm. and just, like, that countdown of all these characters. Yep. I loved it. I really did. Especially when, like, Doc gets invested in them, and they're just robbing him. <laughs> um, 
all time. You stole it. I was going to say Operation Prom. Well, I, that, I feel like most people will agree that Operation Prom probably is the one that if anybody watches an episode of Inch Bros, it should be Operation Prom. I mean, just like looking back on it, it is the episode that made me cry. It made me laugh. The music choice in it was amazing. I looked for that song for about two years before I finally found it. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a good episode. But... And it had General Traster in it. And any episode of General Traster is a great episode. Yes. Um, if I had to give one other than that one, though, it would have to be Spanakopita. That is a good one because if there's one character I want to have a happy ending, it's Doc. He needs it. He, he really needs does. A happy ending. Because as much as I like to laugh at his horrible childhood, which if there's one moment from this, the season finale that made the me grenade. laugh, it was the grenade <laughs> and Action Man. I didn't know you'd jump on a grenade. <laughs> Action Man maybe also be an MVP of this current season just because the two moments I can think of him are the one where he kills Turnbuckle <laughs> and the one where he tr- almost blows up Rusty with a fake grenade. Um, Pull my finger. I said my finger, not the pin. That Spanakopita episode was really good just because it was Doc was happy. He was. And he wins a game, and you realize that, again, it's another showcase of how horrible his dad is. Um, I love and hate. And makes me sad every time I watch it. Like the ending where it's just like, Rusty, go wait outside for a mm-hmm. minute. You don't touch my things. <laughs> and then his dad just beats the crap out of those people for We're just trying to make him happy and give him a Spanakopita. But the fact that they're still willing to do it, that's nice to me. But no, I, I agree with that completely. Um, but Spanakopita. Spanakopita. Hey, Spanakopita. But flipping over to what you want to talk about, probably yes. our, another shared favorite that I think you love more than I love. I love this show so much. And it will come as maybe a surprise to those who don't know everything about the show because they know how much I hate other shows that feature this person, but it is American Dad. American Dad is in, what is it, the 13th season or something? Something like that, yeah. On TBS right now. It is not a Seth MacFarlane show. Do not be fooled by Seth MacFarlane doing the voice. He only does the voice. He only does the voice of Stan and Roger. Everything else is written by other people, written by the people who made Community, and it was two seasons were headed by the Russo brothers who went on to make the Captain America films, yep. which is something people don't know. And Those were probably two of the best seasons of the show. Oh, yeah. And it's just the funniest show, honestly. It's it the most is. consistently funny show on TV. I am a big lover of The Simpsons. The first eight seasons of The Simpsons are probably my favorite show ever, but consistently this is funnier than Bob's Burgers this is funnier than The Simpsons this is funnier than Family Guy Archer anything Cleveland Show Cleveland Show any cartoon imaginable even I would even say live action comedy American Dad is the funniest show on TV would you say it's funnier than Venture Brothers it was more consistently funny fair enough it's more consistently funny Venture Brothers has more gags that stick with me although there are gags that have stuck with me for years let's ask him um, Nancy Reagan, rest in peace. I mean, you've watched more of this current season than I have. I mean, I've watched most of it. Um, and I I still think they're on their A game. I have not. I don't know. From what I've seen of TBS's run with it, it, it seems like there was a little dip, but not much of one. Which mm-hmm. usually whenever you see, like, it was acquired by someone else, that is a very drastic dip. It's almost like a completely different show. Yes. I think that really speaks to American Dad, to the writers, that they can do... They can still do so much with a much smaller budget mm-hmm. and much smaller backing. Yes. 
And you know what? I can, you know, go through all the things I like about American Dad, but I think we should just trade some lines. I'm, like, looking at the episode <laughs> list, and there's certain episodes, like, in Country Club. You're a nom now, bitches! <laughs> um, or... <laughs> we were in the poo. We were in the poo. Um, moon over Isla Island, the one where he... Bananarama. The ending sequence where it's the guy dancing and it's like he was the most horrible dictator of Isla Island. He was the red dance of death. The red dance of death. Um, Fun fact about that episode. That was the last episode of a show that uh, Montebain, Ricardo Montebain was on. Oh, Ricardo Montebain. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Rapture's Delight. Um, I'm the Antichrist. (laughs) Forgive them, Father, for they, they know, know exactly, exactly what, what they, they do. do. Um, a Jones for Mr. Smith. That's the one we're staying at. It's a friend, isn't it? No, it's the one where he gets addicted to cocaine. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah, with the Fabergé egg. Yep, you might oh. be addicted to cocaine if you're tripping right now. Cops and Roger, it's like um, Stan was like watching Roger be a cop for like all of one day and he becomes a dirty cop. Um, Is he going to be okay? No. no, no. Stelio Contos. Okay, um, my best part, favorite part of that episode is the werewolf that keeps popping up and killing those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the two-part uh, 100th episode where they have a kill countdown mm-hmm. that doesn't go down until one point where a bus flies off the cliff. And with, like, explodes. And the bus is filled with secondary characters from the show that like have had maybe one episode dedicated to them. Or even just appeared in the background. Like, like the was, bullet. Yeah, the bullet from the episode. <laughs> um... I'm just going through episodes now. Um, the People versus Martin Sugar. Martin Sugar rests, y'all. He just keeps getting in car accidents. Um, <laughs> any holiday episode that American Dad has done has been instantly funny. Any like, especially the Christmas ones. They probably have the best Christmas episodes of any show. You I've bisexual seen. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's so many good episodes of, even like the bad ones, uh, like the Second Tearjerker. I, oh, I, that was for black guys only. Yeah, that yeah. was not that good. No. Hot Water, a musical episode about Sung a jacuzzi. Sung by CeeLo Green. Sung by CeeLo Green. It actually has good music. Yep. And it's uh, pretty much a take on, uh, what's that musical? Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Um, the Hurricane episode. Okay, that Javelin. <laughs> <laughs> and then he stabs Francine with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to talk about the Hurricane episode for a little bit. Have you seen all three of them? Yeah. Seashell Party, Hurricane, and There Goes the Neighborhood for Mm -hmm. Cleveland Show. Obviously, I'm guessing your favorite is Hurricane with American Dad. Why did you think they did that? Why? Because uh, Seth MacFarlane just wanted some way to tie in those shows together. Honestly, I have no idea why. Because even the way it ties in with the other two. It's just that they land next to each other. They land next to each other and they point guns at each other. And it has the worst joke in the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. The wor- and you know exactly the joke I'm referring to, but it has the worst joke in the episode. And it's like, you could tell that was the part that Seth MacFarlane wrote. Mm-hmm. You could Because t- it's a racist joke. I'm just going to spoil that for you right now. It's a racist joke. And it's like, ha-ha, racism, but it's not funny. No. Yeah, and you could tell, like, the rest of the episode is so funny because it's basically like the Poseidon Adventure. Their house flips over and they have to get through the house. It's There's like a shark and... Mm-hmm. And it's... Steve, why are all these women Japanese and pregnant? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, what other ones? Are my, in, wheels and the Leg Man. Uh, oh, all the Wheels and the Leg Man episodes were so great. Mm-hmm. Ricky Spanish. Ricky Spanish. Uh, I'm like going through every single one of these. What did you think now. of the Office Space episode? 
uh, one where flirting it, with disaster. That's one that I probably won't go back and watch, but I um, anything with Bullock, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy. Bullock, like, flying over. So- Blood crieth unto heaven. That is such a class. Well, we can even talk about that. Yeah. Have you ever seen another animated show do what Blood crieth unto heaven has done? Mm-hmm. No, nothing. And if you don't know what Blood crieth unto heaven is, it's a literal three-act stage play. Like, they literally make a stage out of the American Dad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, narrated by Patrick Stewart. You've probably seen the gift set of him sleeping and then waking up and saying acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just... It's good. It's golden. There's, like, parts of that. Even, like, in the crowd, like, when people are clapping and then there's one guy clapping, like, way too long. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's other times where, it's like, people are telling each other to shut up, like, in the audience or, you know, gasping. And it's just, like, there's so much detail to flippity flop. I didn't uh, like the flippity flop that much. That was a lesser episode. Lost for in me. space. You can lost even talk about the fact great. that at one point a character in American Dad gets sent to space, which that's one of the best episodes of American Dad. It is, and then becomes friends with the ghost of Sinbad, <laughs> and they have to fly a ship back to Earth. And after have after being like brain probed by the majestic two wax fangs, <laughs> the majestic easily one of my favorite songs from this show. Mm-hmm. And Everything about American Dad just works to be funny. Like, all the stuff that, like, Family Guy and every Seth MacFarlane show does, even, like, newer shows like Bob's Burgers and Simpsons, where they just try to do, like, so many goofy yeah, things. Yeah, sight gags. Sight gags and stuff. The written jokes in American Dad are funnier than anything that's being written for any other animated show currently. And what's so great is they don't, like, stick to them. Like, mm-hmm. they could just be an offhand comment. That's hilarious. Yes, they don't rely on visual humor, even though their visual humor is super funny. Like, one of the current episodes has a kiss cam part. Oh, like, yeah. That, the, the visual of the kiss cam was funny, but then you have, he like, Pat did it. He really did it. He, he made did. them hornier than I could ever make them. It's little lines like that, you know... Uh, your personal favorite, I know, is the I make these little pizzas. <laughs> That's my life. I'm you are my queen, queen, Rebecca. You are my queen, Rebecca. Like, there's so many one-off moments in American Dad. This current season has one of my favorites where they have a town meeting, and before, like, they get to the story, <laughs> there's a small section of the town meeting where um, Buckle, who is this uh, wild woodsman. Yeah, woodsman, who is like, we need to take down the sign in front that says we're looking for a key. There is no key. <laughs> and then the the staff is just like, we believe there is a key. Here, here. <laughs> and it's just like, it's been a 30-year search for the key. And, like, there's no reference to what the key is or what no. the key does. It's just a funny thing that, like, pops up. American, now, do American, you remember the golden turd? Yes, I remember the golden turd. I hope it comes back. <laughs> I hope they, they bring that storyline back because... Again, that's just another weird one-off thing that they do. There was one that had Bo Bridges in it, and I'll always remember Bo Bridges getting killed by a golden turd. Mm -hmm. But no, I I can gush about American Dad because it's generally one of the best shows consistently for me. Um, So many good good episodes, just even scrolling through. It doesn't have the problem like other animated shows where there are great seasons. There are great seasons in American Mm -hmm. Dad, but there are... 10 out of 10 episodes almost every season for me. Like, you know, even though there's bad ones, even though sometimes I just skip some, there's... I can never watch Bad Bloods. No. I can't watch ba- LGB Steve. I can't watch, you know, uh, most some of the cr- first season ones, but, like, middle seasons of American Dad, perfect. Like, I always go back to one of my favorites. Like, Office Spaceman and Roy Rogers McFreely are probably two of my favorite episodes of Roy all Rogers time. McFreely. And... 
they don't even overdo their characters. Like no, Roger and Stan are could be very overdone. They really could. They could be the Peter and Brian of the whole thing, but they don't become annoying caricatures like Peter and Brian do. They're, and it's they're, probably because they call them out on what they're doing. Like, this is you. I'm I'm going to be calling you, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yep. At this point, everybody knows that Roger's going to be the person they run into. Except that episode where they were tearing down uh, Stan's dad tree. And oh, yeah. A, they had a and he brother. competed with another one. Mm-hmm. But, no, American Dad's just great. Um, what's one episode you want to recommend for American Dad? Oh, if I had to recommend one episode that was just all the way solid... It has to be the one that we've joked about probably more than any other one, the one where Roger um, kills Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes. Uh, what was the name of that episode? Um, I don't remember, but it, essentially it's like Roger trying to prove to uh, Francine, Francine that he's earned everything that he faked his way into getting. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where he pretends to be an archaeologist. Well, hell, Francine, I'm an archaeologist. <laughs> and he gets super close to her face. <laughs> No, she gets super close to him. Why do you oh. keep leaning in when I say things? <laughs> and they find a secret civilization that's really just a bunch of actors he paid. And he act- and Francine accidentally kills Cuba Gooding Jr. Yep. Off of his hit run on Show Me the Money. Yep. And Stan goes to his funeral and says, Show Me the Heaven. <laughs> and that's probably one of the best closing lines of any episode of American Dad. <sighs> but so my good. personal favorite will be Rapture's Delight. Just because. Fair enough. In terms of how weird that show can get, especially during the holidays, because I was going to pick a holiday one. It was either going to be that one or For Whom the Sleigh Bell Tolls. Oh, the um, polar bear helmet from Golden Compass. But Rapture's Delight just has so many great moments. You have the educational ch- Christian cartoon that mm-hmm. explains what the rapture is. Um, cool kids. He's <laughs> um, just on like a skateboard. Yeah, A cross on a skateboard rolls in saying, cool kids. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you have the Antichrist. You have the fact that the world turns into this post-apocalyptic nightmare. Um, Francine is seduced by Jesus. Yeah, Francine is seduced by Jesus, who is like a post-apocalyptic warrior. And it ends with like everything getting reset, but in like a really weird way. Mm-hmm. And no, every time the holidays come up, I watch that one. It's just, just great. such a good episode. But speaking of the rapture, I can't think of a better transition, even if I did it myself. We're going to flip the disc. Uh, typically, we talk about a movie, but we felt the need to address this. Um, yes. Last Sunday on Fox, there was a production done by Tyler Perry and Dick Clark Productions, The Passion Live, in which they did a live retelling of The Passion. They got all these characters set up, and it was, I mean, it was The Passion. You knew exactly what it was. The most interesting part was it was live, and it had some of the weirdest musical talent you would ever hear. Yes. And I think we were we were talking to each other while watching it, and it was, it was like a time machine. It really was. Yes. It is one of the weirder things I've ever seen put on TV. Um, at first I thought, oh, okay, Fox is doing another musical. They did Grease. That went over pretty well. People generally seem to like that. Uh, this will probably just be like something like that. And, you know, I'm not against religious stuff. No, not at all. Then that should be said before we start discussing it. This has absolutely nothing to do with it being the passion of the Christ. It has nothing to do with it being Christian at all. We respect anyone's religion. We are not going to trash on it for any of those reasons. We're going to trash on it because it's bad. It is bad. The first indication I got it would be bad was the fact that it was Tyler Perry produced. Yep. And, like... You know, 
as an actor, I'll say he's pretty passable. He was good in Gone Girl. He was fine in Star Trek. He was fine in Star Trek. He does a good job, you know, when given a good role that he didn't write for himself. AKA in general, Medea. I don't think he's very good at writing. I don't think he... His stage plays are okay. I saw a couple of them when I was in uh, Atlanta, but... It's not very well done. I don't think he hasn't doesn't have a very good just style. And I was like, well, maybe... I mean, like, it's the story... The, the passion, story's there. The passion is the story of Jesus Christ and his last few... Basically, the Easter story. Yeah. And, like, okay, he's not writing it, so what, what could he do to produce this horribly? Well... For some reason, he said it during modern day. In New Orleans? Yes. With this urban outfitter, White Jesus. Like the whitest Jesus that you've ever seen. And a bunch of hobos who are... His disciples. His disciples. And one of his disciples is Chris Daughtry, who's supposed to be Judas. And, (sighs) you know, okay, stylistic choice, whatever. The musical component... What is that going to be? Is it going to be original songs? Is it going to be hymnals? For some reason, he picked music that I guess could be described as like what your church lit your youth group listened to in 2006, where it's like, these are popular songs. Yeah, they're popular, and they have like a vague Christian message. Even though most of them had nothing to do with Christianity or anything. Even though, yeah, none of them had anything to do with Christianity. Maybe the – all right. So – I'm going to pull up the, the list of the songs um, here. But I, what were some of the bands used? Uh, Huba Stank is the one that first comes to mind. Evanescence, Imagine Dragons, um, Katy Perry. Uh, I think there was a song by the, um, oh, what you call them? The Mumford and Sons. Yes. And it was really just off-putting because you could have gone with hymnals. Hymnals would have been fine. Yes, hymnals would have probably made more sense. But, like, so there was a dual story. The story of Jesus and the story of Mary going on. Yep. Mary was on stage with Tyler Perry. And the, and story of Jesus, the story of Jesus was these pre-recorded segments. So you have, like, Jesus singing uh, Love Can Move Mountains uh, with arms wide open. Mm-hmm. He's singing a Creed song. Um Granted, it's Creed. They are a Christian band. You can maybe get away with that somewhat, but, I mean, having Mary sing songs like... uh, I Won't Give Up On Us. I Won't Give Up On Us to her son. It's very creepy. It's very creepy. Um, You know, you have Chris Daughtry singing Bring Me Back to Life by Evanescence. In probably the most, like, 2003 music video set ever. Just a bunch of of iron curters. what I've seen on TV, that was probably one of the biggest highlights. Because I did not believe they were actually going to do Bring Me to Life. And yet there it was. And then it just kept going downhill. So then you have Calling on Angels right after that. Yep. Sung by Jesus. Then you have I Won't Give Up, sung by Mary. Then you have a duet between Judas and Jesus with Imagine Dragons and Demons. Yep. Which to me... In front of a SWAT team. In front of a SWAT team because Judas calls a SWAT team on Jesus for helping out the homeless people. How, really? He didn't help them. Uh, and then you have the reason, the Hoobastank reason, mm-hmm. to talk about Paul or Peter's trials, trial of denying Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Then you have Seal, Pontius Pilate singing, as Pontius Pilate singing Mad World. Then you have Mary singing Broken, and then it ends with Katy Perry's Unconditionally. 
Now, all and then it goes to the credits where they start seeing all the saints go marching in, mm -hmm. and for once you see everybody smiling. Yes, it's very weird, because like you watch it and you see the crowd reaction, the people weeping, and I'm like, why? Why are you weeping to this? Like, okay, the story. If you're, you know, if you're religious, if, if it's... you're religious, you know, I mean, like I am, but I wasn't crying during this. Because it's it's so tacky and goofy and like why it doesn't bring anything it doesn't bring anything to the to you know if it's an embarrassment honestly because like what if you watch the passion or you know anything powerful like that okay you can get emotional yeah. this was you know Daughtry singing Evanescence and Hoobastank was being sung along to yes there was nothing about this that screamed this is you know respectful this is this makes sense this is you know worthwhile to do it just was like you know what i tyler perry just was like i have the rights to these songs i might as well just put them in there and it doesn't matter if they are creepy or weird or anything i'll just put them in there and it doesn't matter mm -hmm. and like also the whole time this was live yep there was a cross walking down um downtown new orleans downtown new orleans and people were walking with the procession mm -hmm. and they were doing live street updates where they just talked to people random out of a crowd where the cross was and it's like you know tyler perry i get what you want to do and like minor aside let any time a christian complains about they're being prosecuted by uh or persecuted by a starbucks cup Tell them, well, you know what? You made people watch The Passion for two and a half hours instead of new episodes of The Simpsons or Family Guy. Like, I was, towards the end, as much as I was enjoying it, I was like, this has gone on for so long. Mm -hmm. Why can't this end? Like, you know what? You're not being persecuted if you can get The Passion on TV. No. You know? You, the Starbucks cups are okay. You made me watch two and a half hours of this crap. And, yeah, just, just having people walk down the streets and they're just milking it for everything it's worth. And yeah. it's like, why are you here? What makes you believe in Jesus? I'm just like, why? My son was murdered. Like, when they talked to the lady whose son was murdered or something, and, like, they haven't found the killer, I was like, cool. I mean, why? that's incredibly why sad. Them? Why? It's incredibly sad. Um, just not uplifting in the slightest. And, again, I make, I'm getting angrier about it, but, like, it was a generally enjoyable experience to watch this just for the sheer insanity that it, that it caused. Honestly, one of the most upsetting things is here's a Tyler Perry production. That was probably one of the whitest things I have seen yes, ever. I could not understand why he didn't pick, like, a black Jesus. It wouldn't be hard yeah. at all. Yeah, why he didn't do that. Because, like... Yeah, he picked the whitest people to be in New Orleans. In New Orleans. And, you know, every shot of the crowd, predominantly black. Mm -hmm. All the procession, predominantly black. The anchor that he would send out, black. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, all we got was Seal. Seal and, like, one disciple that didn't say a single thing. Exactly. And, and it's just like, you know, I've seen that so many times. If anything, I was kind of hoping Tyler Perry would do something besides that. But he something new, something new, but no. They had the opportunity to make something, you know, special. Mm -hmm. Like if we had seen a black procession of the Passion, I think it would have been much more powerful. Even though the songs and stuff would have been still goofy, it would have at least had that, you know, difference. Because even it. then, they talked about police brutality. Yes, that's a, that's a prominent part of the episode. Like we're not just forcing in this 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 thing here. 
police brutality is a prominent part of the passion that part that he inserted into the story because like the police arrest Jesus and beat the the apostles the, the apostles and like this police brutality and that's like a part of the story but, but then, they're like, beating white people yeah Tyler Perry paints it as like this issue for everybody everybody when like you know what Tyler Perry you have this great stage to say something you could change the way people think and you chose to go the basic route which kind of is you know pathetic in my eyes but again like it's worth it just to watch just for the weirdness it really is I mean there's honestly the redeeming factor is the music choice Mm -hmm. when you're seeing you know white Jesus on top of the Marriott yelling unconditionally Mm -hmm. and they take a shot of like his back with like duct tape on it to keep the microphone attached to him yes that's when you know that you've you've reached the top Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. it's just so baffling and like the other thing I didn't get was why they were even bringing the cross to begin with because once it got there, it just stayed there. They didn't put it up. They didn't lift it or anything. It was literally there just to lay on the ground. Exactly. And then probably the weirdest and most out- distasteful thing I saw in that entire thing was when Pontius Pilate was asking, you know, do I spare this man or do I kill Jesus? And they actually made the crowd yell, kill Jesus. Yes. I was like, what? I mean, I guess that's a a freedom you could have had. Honestly, he could have just said, well, I've heard from the people, and they said to kill Jesus. Not, I need to hear the people say, kill Jesus, before I I do it. I didn't need to see a group of people scream, kill Jesus. Although it was, you know. I mean, it was hilarious, but obviously they weren't going for a joke. No, they weren't going for a joke at that point. Um, and I love Tyler Perry's jokes, like, and I always love a however in a story. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 we're in for an adventure, folks. Yeah, just if you just watch the musical clips online to get the full experience. There's nothing else I can really describe it. I know it's on Hulu. Watch it on Hulu. Yeah. Oh. You want to do recommendations for movies real quick? Yeah, go ahead. What um, would you recommend? I will recommend. Uh, I saw Dancer in the Dark recently, and I love that musical. Um, Probably one of my favorites. I love Bjork. Um, Good Dark. Probably one of my favorite Lars von Trier movies, even though he he is very inconsistent. This is one that's pretty pretty darn consistent in terms of quality. You know what? If you mention a musical, I'll have to nominate my favorite musical, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, with Dolly Parton, Burt Reynolds. Just, it's just so stupid. Mm -hmm. It's just absolutely. The worst, but you know, my grandfather passed away recently, and I went back and I watched that movie, and that was that was our movie. We would always watch Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, and I can't tell you how many times I laugh, I cry. It's just, it's just a stupid, silly movie for just a good casual Friday night in. Yeah, but that wraps up input two. We talked about two things we loved, one thing we hated. Uh, next week we'll probably be talking Batman v Superman, which. Looking at the online reviews, the conversation will probably not be a positive one. Um, So look forward to that, and we will see you next time. Good night, everybody.